is it possible for us to live in such a way where the worries about the future don't rob us of the joy and possibilities of today? I believe that it is. And if you read the Gospels, you'll notice that Jesus seemed to be really good at living in the moment. God himself is with me. There are angels everywhere. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. All breaking points begin the moment a person loses hope. There's a reason that the writer of Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It's all reminiscent of another passage in the New Testament where Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about how spiritual gifts function within the church. It was my small group that drove 300 miles and stood outside in the snow at our funeral. Or it was my small group that was at hospice bringing us stuff when I barely even knew them. God had put us together with people in the same situation was just refreshing. And ever since then, now they've been our, our family. The Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. What if we had a generation that looked at the heart? Thank you so much for watching Kids Coast at Home with me today. Hey friends, we are so excited to welcome you back to Seacoast as we gather this weekend for in-person services. I'll tell you what, watching that video, God has been so faithful this year. None of us could have imagined that the methods have changed, uh, but the gospel has remained the same and uh, small groups have been with each other. It's been an incredible year, a uh, difficult year, but we're honored that you're here today. Uh, we're gonna continue to build on this incredible year that God has done and prepare for what God is gonna do in the future. And I wanna welcome all of you to Seacoast Church. My name is Josh Surratt. If I haven't met you, I serve as a lead pastor and I especially wanna welcome those of you joining us at one of our campuses, maybe you're here from North Charleston or Somerville or Greenville, Manning, wherever you happen to be, we are glad that you're part of the family as well as those of you that are online. I know there are many of you that continue to join us online every week and we're glad you're part of this family. In fact, tell us right now, put it in the chat, where, who are you, where are you watching from? We love to hear your stories and stay connected all across really the world uh, with our, our reach online, but we're glad you're here. It's gonna be a great weekend this weekend. Before I jump into this week's topic, though, I wanna mention Christmas Eve. How many know we still need Christmas? Everybody agree, Christmas? I'm so excited about Christmas this year, and uh, I'm so excited that we're gonna be able to gather together and do candlelight services, and we just wanna invite you to be a part of that. Uh, and what we would ask from you is that you let us know when you're gonna come. We're gonna do our best to do it in a, a safe way and a distance and all of that good stuff, but you can register for a service at seacoast.org slash Christmas. Pick your campus, pick your service time. I believe at the campus I'm in right now, we've already uh, got to capacity in three of our services. And so y'all keep registering. And if we need to, we'll add more services. So it'll be phenomenal. The OG, Greg Surratt, our, our founding pastor, is gonna bring a great word this Christmas. And I'm looking forward to that. And then on January 11th, we'll have services uh, scaled back services the next week, the weekend after Christmas. So pay attention at your campus to those service times. Then uh, on January the 11th, we're gonna kick off a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that's about a month away. You're like, why are you telling us a month ahead? I want us all to pre prepare for that. 
I believe God's got an incredible year in store for us. He's already given me a, a word uh, for our church for 2021. I can't wait to bring that to you. But man, I, I, I'd love for all of us to come together and fast. What does that mean? You just give something up in order to pursue God more. And that may be alcohol. That may be a food item. That may be social media. Hey, why don't we all do that? That'd be great if we just kind of gave that up for a while and, uh, and, and leaned in to, to hear from God, to get vision from God for what he wants to do in 2021. But this weekend, I'm excited. This, if you've been at Seacoast very long, once a year, uh, we do it the same weekend, second weekend of December every year, we do a legacy weekend where we take up a legacy offering. And, uh, and I know that there are some of you that are here today, and, and man, you've been inviting a new person, you've been hoping that they would come, and they finally showed up, and you're like, oh man, they came on the money weekend. It's, it's not the money weekend. We're not, this is not a high pressure, there's no sales pitch, any of that stuff. This is a weekend where we're just going to talk about legacy, about what we want to be remembered for. And I think it's a great weekend for any of us to be part of it. So let's jump in. What is legacy? I want to give you a definition of legacy, which is this. What will people remember about you when you aren't here anymore? That's what we're talking about. We talk about legacy. What are people going to remember about us when we're not here anymore? And I did a quick uh, study online, Google. It's got to be true. I figured with COVID, with all of the craziness, the numbers may have changed, but they haven't changed at all. Mortality rates here in the low country, as well as all across South Carolina, North Carolina, they continue to hover right around 100%. Uh, people, eventually they die. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's the, I hate to bring good news to you, bad news, but we're all going to end up uh, in a box one day, unless Jesus comes back, which I'm hopeful is going to happen. But, but ultimately, we're all given a certain number of breaths on planet Earth, and our legacy is what will outlast us. What will people remember about us after we're gone? And we all have a desire to leave a legacy. I love Psalms 112, verse six. It says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. The righteous, what does that mean? People who get it right all the time? No, no, no. The righteous are people who have realized that they aren't righteous and they put their faith in Jesus's righteousness uh, instead of their own. It says they will be remembered forever. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has planted eternity in the human heart, that all of us kind of have this desire, longing to live forever, to be remembered forever, and we will live forever. Uh, we'll either live forever with God or apart from God, depending on what we did with Jesus, whether we chose to trust him with our lives. But we're all going to leave a legacy. And I've been thinking a lot about legacy uh, these last couple of weeks, maybe because this year, for, for whatever reason, I've done more memorial services this year than I probably have done in the five years leading up to this year. Just had a lot of opportunities to walk with families through, uh, through, through that, through grief. And it's made me think a lot about legacy. I was thinking about Billy Graham. I did not do his memorial service, by the way, uh, but that was in 2018. And, and most of us have heard of Billy Graham and this man who obviously left an incredible legacy here on earth that, that we'll be talking about him long after he's gone. Here's what Billy said. He said, my one purpose in life is to help people find a personal relationship with God, which I believe comes from knowing Christ. And you know, if you were one of the 215 million people who showed up at a Billy Graham rally or crusade who heard the gospel through him, not to mention all of the television stuff, Billy Graham left 
a legacy. That's very obvious. But it's, it's hard with Billy, because I mean, none of us are gonna live up to his legacy, right? It's like, okay, awesome, if that's the standard. But really, we all have a chance to leave a legacy. I was thinking about my friend, Jerry McIntyre. Uh, I did his memorial service just a couple of months ago. Jerry died of COVID, actually, during uh, this season. And Jerry was a seacoaster. He came uh, every, every week. And what I loved about Jerry, he worked down at the Citadel. Uh, he was a facilities person at the Citadel, and he loved our church. And he loved seeing cadets come to know Jesus. And he realized that he had a really good opportunity down there because at the Citadel, I don't know if any of you Citadel grads here today, but as a knob at the Citadel, you, you don't want to spend any more time on campus than you have to, but you don't have a vehicle. And so he had a captive audience. And so he would bring cadets every single weekend. He'd bring one, two, three, sometimes five or six cadets to church every weekend. And many of them came to know Christ here at Seacoast. I've got a picture of Jerry. Uh, this is Jerry here on the far left side. And uh, on his right is Jason Pino. He got saved and baptized the first weekend that he came to Seacoast with Jerry. And these two cadets were guys that Jason led to Christ a year or so later. And they were getting baptized on that day. But Jerry left a legacy. When I think about Jerry, I know he, there are gonna be people that will meet him in heaven one day and go, thank you. Thank you for bringing me to Seacoast. Thank you for, for introducing me to a relationship with Christ. What about you and I? What kind of legacy are we gonna leave behind for our families, for, as individuals? What kind of legacy are we gonna leave behind? How do we be, become people of legacy? Well, as I thought about the Christmas story this week and we're gearing up for Christmas, there's some characters in the Christmas story that, that really stood out to me as, as people who left a legacy. And I'm talking about the, the, the wise men, the magi, uh, some versions of the Bible describe them, but honestly, they had no business being a part of the Christmas story. They lived a long ways away from Bethlehem where Jesus was born, and yet somehow they find themselves right in the middle of what God is doing in, in one of the greatest moments, the greatest moment in human history. And there now, 2,000 years later, our kids are dressing up like them in plays, and, and we're talking about them because they left a legacy. And so I wanna show you three things out of their story that we can learn if we wanna be the kind of people who leave a significant legacy. The first one is this, legacy people see something. Legacy people see something. Their focus is on something, that they see something that other people don't see. Have you ever decided that you wanted maybe a new vehicle? This happens for me, like for the last couple of years, I've been like, man, I love those Jeep trucks. Some of you hate those Jeep trucks, but I, I think they're cool. And, and so it's like, as soon as I started thinking about that, I feel like that's the only car that I notice on the highway. I'm like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. There's Because you start to lock in. Your, your focus is on one, I, what, what, one car, and you start to see it everywhere that you go. And legacy people learn to see something. They, they see what God is up to. Look at Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We saw his star as it rose. You know, as I was reading that this week, I thought, why didn't anybody else see his star? They weren't the only people living in this far eastern land, but they somehow were able to see 
that something had moved in the atmosphere. Something had changed. God was, was moving, and they had eyes to see what God was up to. What about everybody else? I wonder if they were too busy updating their, their Instagram reels or you know, they're locked into social media or reading the internet. I don't know what they were doing, but somehow one group of people saw something while most everybody else missed it. They didn't see it. And, and it can happen to us, even in the church, if we're not careful, we'll miss out on what God is up to, what God is on the move. I believe he's on the move right now in our midst. He's called us to live during this time, this season, but we have to be, be, be able to see it. We have to have eyes to see what he's doing. Look what Jesus said to his disciples in John 4, 35. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He's going, guys, the, the, the harvest is here. It's ready, but, but, but hey, you, you have to look. You have to open your eyes. You have to be paying attention to what, what the Father is up to. I wanna help you see some things today. I wanna help you see some things that I've been seeing, that I've been praying about, I've been dreaming about as it relates to our legacy. Because we'll all leave an individual legacy and we'll leave a legacy with our families. But, but those of us that are gathered today here and at our campuses online, we're all part of a, a community of believers, a family called Seacoast, and we're gonna leave a legacy as a church. One day, we're all gonna be gone, and there's gonna be future generations of Seacoasters. And, and, and the question is, what are they gonna say about us? What are they gonna say about what we saw, what we were a part of? And I wanna share a few different aspects of it. Uh, thinking about the year that we've had this year at Seacoast, it's, there's a passage that came to mind, Psalm 65 in verse 11, that I think is very descriptive of this year. It says, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Doesn't that describe 2020? Even the hard pathways. It hadn't been what we thought it was gonna be. Nobody would have imagined that we would be out of this building for six months, but even the hard pathways have overflown with, with, with harvest with abundance. I think about Easter this year. On a normal Easter at Seacoast over the last few years, we would see 25 to 35,000 people come be a part of experiencing worship. And this year, in the hard pathways, when we had to do it in a way way different than any, anything we've ever done before, we saw 66,000 people worship with us at Seacoast. I would say that that's pretty cool. The, the, the hard pathways overflowed with abundance. And thousands of people gave their life to Christ. But when I think about the future, what are they gonna say about Seacoast in this next season? I laid it out in five different categories. When I think about our Seacoast campuses, the projects that we're a part of here at Seacoast, here's what they're gonna say about us. They left life-giving local churches all across their region where people found a relationship with God instead of religion. That's gonna be our legacy. That's what they're gonna say about Seacoast. And, and it's not a place where you, you come and you look the part and you've got it all kind of worked out on the outside, but you're dying on the inside. Some of us feel that way from time to time. This is a place where, where you're gonna find a relationship with God through Jesus. It is so much more life-giving than a religion. And, and they're gonna say that about us. I'm convinced now more than ever that the local church is the hope of the world. 
We've seen it through this pandemic. I was reading a study this week, Gallup uh, does an annual survey on mental health, and they study where are people. You won't be surprised to know that this year, on average in America, people reported about an eight to 9% decline in their mental health. And we know that as, as kind of the, the COVID curve was flattened, uh, that there are a lot of other curves that, that weren't. And one of them was in the area of mental health. People are struggling in this area. But it was very interesting in the survey. There was one category of people that reported an increase in their mental health. One category. And it was people who said they attend church weekly. Is that not crazy? This isn't like a religious study. The only category in all categories that they surveyed that said that they increased in their mental health was people who attended church weekly. Now, what was interesting is people who said they attend church seldom or infrequently reported a 13% decline in mental health. That's a whole nother sermon. But those that, it's because, man, you come in every week and you begin to see what God is up to. You take your eyes off of what's happening in the news and in the culture and in all of that, and you begin to see God's truth and God's word. And it's, it's life-giving for us. And so we're going to continue to do it. Uh, we're going to continue to expand what we're doing with our Seacoast campuses. Our, our main focus in this next year is going to be Somerville. Uh, we are going to get you guys into a facility that's going to serve you guys well. They're going crazy in Somerville right now. They're excited to know that they are next on the list. But man, Somerville is just amazing. They're doing four services right now every single weekend, even post-pandemic. It looks a little bit different with capacities as it does everywhere right now. But I'm believing that God has allowed us to be in a position right now to be able to take advantage of a great opportunity in Somerville. And so what we're going to do is we're going to build a facility in Somerville that's going to probably seat around 1,000 people. We're still working on the details of it, but we are going to continue to pursue planting life-giving communities all across of our region. But, but Somerville, people are moving to Somerville in droves right now. They're coming from the Northeast. They're coming from California. And I'm believing that when they get there, they're going to find a life-giving church that's got capacity and room for them to be a part of it. It's going to be about six to eight million dollars. And some of you, like, wow, that's a lot of money. And it is a lot of money. Some of you are going, we're going to build a thousand seat worship center for six to eight million dollars. That doesn't seem like a lot of money. We've got some creative ways that we're going to go about it. One of it is we're all going to be part of it with legacy offering. And, and some of you are going to give and it's going to be fantastic. But we've got uh, office space here in Mount Pleasant that as we've come to the other side of this pandemic, we've realized we don't need all of the office space that we had. And so we're going to sell uh, one of our office buildings and we're going to use that as seed money to get land in Somerville that we've been looking at. And then we're going to together go after this project. And then we're going to do it in Greenville and we're going to do it in Manning. And we're going to continue to see life-giving churches established and grown uh, where people can find a re relationship with God instead of religion. And it's going to be really, really amazing to see it come together. And here's, here's the deal. I'm going to just tell you this, take the pressure off because I'm going to throw out some numbers, big numbers, small numbers, as we talk about what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to present vision to you. And then we all get to kind of trust God with the, the timing of it. Uh, it may take us a year. It may take us 10 years. It doesn't matter to me. We're just going to present the vision and go, you know what, God, you, you're going to direct our steps and when and how we do it. Uh, so just to take the pressure off, you know, some of y'all are like, I got to write an $8 million check. Go ahead. That'd be great. But no, no we're going to do it together uh, in, in, a, in wise timing. Let's talk about next generation. Next generation. Here's what they're going to say about our legacy as it relates to the next generation. Seacoast was a church that set up the next generation while the pull of the world tried to set them back. 
We will develop thousands of next generation Christian leaders and place them around the world to reach people for Jesus. We shaped a generation that shaped the world. That's what's gonna happen at Seacoast. That's what's gonna happen. I, I was so excited last weekend. We did child dedications at all of our services, and it was so cool. We're gonna do it now. Uh, we we've used to do it kind of in the chapel, but I love doing it as a part of the whole church family gets to be a part of it. And I love these little crumb crunchers, and I begin to think about what's gonna happen with their lives. And they're gonna, a lot of them are gonna come up. They're gonna come to know Christ at Kids Coast because of you guys sacrificing and serving and caring for them, teaching them about Jesus. Some of them are gonna come to know the Lord at a custom summer camp. And that's our high school, middle school ministry. And we've seen so many students meet Jesus in these retreat environments. And we decided, I was talking to John this week, this year, we always scholarship students. Usually it's around 300 students. This year, we're believing God that we're gonna scholarship 400 middle and high school students to summer camp. We'll have about 1,500 that come, 400 on scholarships. That's at about $400 a piece. And many of them wouldn't have been able to go to camp, but they're going to because of your generosity, because we're going to set up the next generation. And then we got a college that is so amazing, Seacoast College, SEU at Seacoast. And this year, this fall, we had our highest enrollment of freshmen. They say that between the, the high school years and the college years is when most students, and some of you have experienced this, they, they begin to walk away from their faith during this season. And, and I'm so excited about this college that we're gonna actually see them step in and lean into their faith instead of walk away from it. And I'm believing that we're gonna scholarship several students, about $10,000 is tuition. It's one of the cheapest college experiences that you can get, but we're gonna, uh, we're, we're gonna scholarship students who couldn't do it apart from that and see them grow in their faith and get connected in the life of the church. And I believe that when we're long gone, there's gonna be generations that go, man, the legacy of that church is that they set us up. You know, their ceiling became our platform. And, and even this building that we're in right now, where I'm at right now, this isn't our building. This is the next generation's building. They're gonna take this and they're gonna reach thousands of people. Long after we're gone, this building is gonna continue to be reaching people for Christ. And so we're gonna make a difference in the next generation. We're also gonna make a difference with local missions. See, it's not just about this church and, and our facilities and our campuses. We want to, to make an impact in the communities that we live in. And here's what they're gonna say about us. They're gonna say they serve the people of their cities and poverty levels declined, crime rates fell, the oppressed received hope, and those who were touched by their love opened their hearts to God. That's what they're gonna say about us. Not just to feed the poor. I wanna I want do those things. But we do it so that they'll open their hearts up to the gospel message that will not just feed them like Jesus said. You, you won't just be uh, quench your thirst in the moment, but, but you'll never thirst again. And man, there've been so many opportunities and ways that we've done it. Just this week, so many of you served in, in warming shelters uh, where, where there, there were several of you that you served in sisterhood when I know this past Sunday night, or maybe it was Monday night, but they went and spent the night serving meals and, and providing opportunities. It cost us about $20,000 to, to carry the, the warming shelter for the entire week. And we're gonna do that two more times, one in January, one in February, because we, wanna, we want to make a difference in the lives of those that need it. We've got the Dream Center that is phenomenal, and there's so much great stuff that has happened this year. We've served hundreds of thousands of meals uh, across all of our campuses. Conway Campus has been amazing, uh, the way that they have served uh, thousands and thousands of meals. But one of the coolest things about the Dream Center 
is our mentoring program. And what happens is we've got about 70 students right now. It'll be anywhere from 60 to 100 that we connect with one of you, a mentor, who you say, you know what, I can give an hour a week to just invest in these people. You don't have to teach them math. You don't have to teach them English. Their teachers do a great job with that stuff. You just invest your life in them. You just you know, invite them to come along with what you're already doing. Some of you have hobbies. Maybe you play golf or you love to go watch sporting events. You just bring them with you and share your life with them. And what we've seen over the years is that graduation rates for students that are being mentored, a lot of these are single uh, parent home students or they live in impoverished areas where they, they just don't get the same opportunities that others do. Graduation rates double for those that are in the mentoring programs. And so we were talking about this in these last couple of months and we thought, why why do we just do that at the Dream Center? In 2021, we're gonna launch mentoring programs at all of our Seacoast campuses so that we can make a difference in the lives of these students. It's gonna be phenomenal. It's gonna cost us about $20,000, but it's gonna be awesome to see what's happening there be multiplied across all of our campuses. We're gonna make a difference in our local missions. And I could talk for a long time about different opportunities to do that. But, but what's our legacy gonna be as it relates to, to national missions? We feel called not just to our area, but to our nation. And the main way that we do that is through church planting. Here's what they're gonna say about Seacoast. They invested in new churches and existing churches by providing support, guidance, and resources to pastors. And those life-giving local churches in turn reached the world. See, about 20 years ago, our founding pastor, Greg Strat, my dad, had a vision to plant 2,000 churches in his lifetime. And when he told us that, we were like, Dad, you've planted three and we're one for three. Two of them don't exist anymore. You know, we don't have a great track record here. But I love the heart, love the vision, but, but he, he saw something that the rest of us didn't see. And he was able to help establish the ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. And we plant life-giving churches all around the country, just in the United States. Uh, right now, since that vision started, we've planted 912 life-giving churches, just like Seacoast, all around the country that are making a difference, that are helping people find a relationship with God and not just empty religion. This is amazing, but of those 912 churches, just in 2020, uh, the year 2020, those 912 churches have given over $70 million to global missions. $70 million, Can, the, the impact is just amazing what God has called us to do. And so we're committed that, that we're gonna keep doing that. And every dollar that's given at Seacoast, we're gonna give a percentage of that to planting those churches. But here's where it gets specific to us, to Seacoast. It's one thing to, to launch these new churches, but we feel like a real niche part of that that, that we're gonna play, and it's really coming out of the heart of our founding pastor, is we're gonna help care for the souls of those pastors. And I know I've talked to some of you guys about what God is doing in this area. But man, we have seen, especially in this year, but the, the number of pastors who are depressed, who are discouraged, and who are, in a lot of cases, quitting, flaming out, or in the worst of cases, we saw it even with, with our beloved Darren Patrick taking their own life. And we are gonna make a difference in that area. We aren't just gonna plant churches. We're gonna help ensure that these pastors finish strong. And I know Darren, I loved Darren. You guys love Darren. If you're new to Seacoast, he was one of our teaching pastors and he went through a, a season about four years ago where he lost his church uh, due to some, some mistakes that he made, some bad decisions that he made. And traditionally in the church world, we're really good at shooting our wounded. 
when people struggle, and, and this isn't just with pastors, but typically somebody gets into a tough spot and, and the church tends to shoot their wounded. And we're like, no, that's not gonna be the, the story told of this church. We're gonna be a church that comes and, and wraps our arms around people when they do feel like they've, they've fallen away. And, and so we came beside Darren and we were part of his restoration process and you guys were generous and allowed us to bring him onto our team to, to, to begin to, to teach again. And Darren was awesome at teaching. He was amazing uh, in this spot, on this platform. I so miss that. But if you would see Darren in environments with other pastors, it was unbelievable. I was with him in March, uh, about two months before he died. We were with 60 pastors, and he shared his story of how he fell and of how Seacoast came around and came beside him. And, and he, he, he shared his story, and, and pastors began to flock to him. And part of Darren's legacy was that he wanted to help prevent what happened to him to happen to a lot of other people. And I don't, got a lot of questions still, right? I mean, we all do. But part of what we're gonna do together as a church is we're gonna carry that legacy on. And we're gonna make sure that, that pastors finish well. And we've started the Pastors Collective, and it's something that, that Dad has, has started. And, and we're gonna see just this year, our vision is have 100 pastors and their wives come in for a three to four day uh, retreat type of environment where we open them up and we bring counselors in and, and they're gonna build friendships. A lot of pastors feel really lonely. Like they don't have anybody they can talk to. We're gonna connect them with other pastors, big churches, small churches, medium churches. It doesn't matter to us. But it's gonna cost about $3,500 per couple to care for them. Now we've got our eyes on some properties that we're, we're looking at believing that God's gonna allow us to, to create a space, not just for pastors, but for all of our leaders to be able to come to where all of us get similar experiences to come and to get, get healthy and we're gonna see life-giving churches and pastors that finish the race strong. Some of you are gonna feel really called to be a part of that. And maybe you could help care for one pastor couple during this next year. Some of you can't do that, but you can do a part of it. And you can be a part of helping us create this legacy. And then finally, we've got our global missions. Global missions. We've always been a church that's given 10% of what comes in away to the world. And as far as global missions, here's what they're gonna say about Seacoast. They focused on global strategic missions and were part of the generation that saw more people come to Christ than any generation before them. I want you to think about that for a minute. Did you know that in the last 30 years, in, in planet Earth, the, the world, we've seen more people come to Christ in the last 30 years than we've seen in the, the 2,000 years prior to that since Jesus died? Is that not amazing? And God chose you and me to be alive right now during this time and this season. And we're gonna continue to do that. I'm gonna get into the de details of that, but we're gonna plant uh, churches globally. We're going to build wells and, and, and make sure that people, right now there's over 100,000 people that have clean water because of what we've already done. We're gonna get to continue to do more of that in medicine and schools and, and churches. And, and we're gonna continue to do that in major ways. And there's all kinds of opportunities for us to be involved, but, but here's the deal. Sometime in the future, we're all gonna be gone and they're gonna be talking about us one day and this is what they're gonna be talking about. That this is a church, I mean, 32 years of history that we've, we've said, you know what, it's amazing what God has done, but we're gonna continue to believe and see that our best days are in front of us, that God is not done, that we're gonna continue to be a part of it. It's, if we're gonna leave, leave a legacy, we gotta see something. Two more things, I'm gonna go through these, these really quickly. The second thing that legacy people do is they sacrifice something. 
they sacrifice something. I'm convinced that nobody leaves a significant legacy these days without sacrificing something. Legacy people choose to do less for themselves so that they can do more for others. Matthew 2, 10 and 11, this is going back to the story of the wise men. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men, scholars think it probably took them around two years from the time they saw the star to get to Bethlehem. Think about the sacrifice required in that. That they put their lives on hold. They put their livelihoods on hold. They put their families on hold. And for two years, they went and they, 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 they did whatever it took to get to the feet of Jesus. But when they got there, they, they, they brought gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it's so amazing to think about their story. Like right after that happens, God warns Joseph and Mary that they need to get out of there because there was a jealous king and, and the wise men are used by God to ultimately save Jesus' life. Now, he would have found another way to do it, right? But he allowed them to be a part of, of misdirecting King Herod. But then they literally funded the first couple of years of Jesus's life. They had to flee to Egypt and this gold, this frankincense and this myrrh ends up becoming resource that funds the gospel message. And it's amazing to think how awesome it'd be to, to literally do that. But the reality is we still get the opportunity to do that. But legacy people, they, they sacrifice something. They sacrifice, what, what will your family say about you in terms of what you sacrifice? Where, where did you do less for yourself so that you could do more for other people? I had a chance to hear from Ann Graham Lotz, who's Billy Graham's daughter. She spoke at a prayer breakfast here at the Charleston uh, prayer breakfast a couple of weeks ago. And she mentioned her dad. She said, people will often ask me, what's it like being Billy Graham's child? And she was like, you know, Billy Graham was an amazing father. It was amazing to grow up in, in his home, but, but he wasn't an amazing dad in the way that you probably think that he was. Because the reality is that he didn't show up to all of the games. He was gone quite a bit. He sacrificed a lot. But, but what makes my dad an amazing dad is that he taught us as kids that if you really want to make a difference, if you really want your life to matter, that it means you have to be willing to make some sacrifices for that. You determine like he did, this is what my life's going to be about, introducing people to Christ, and then you make sacrifices around it. And there's nobody sitting in a chair at one of our Seacoast campuses today that isn't sitting in a chair that somebody else sacrificed for, that somebody saw the future, somebody saw possibilities and said, you know what? I'm gonna make a sacrifice. And I'm looking in the eyes of several of you that I know over the years here at Seacoast, you have sacrificed so that we can all see and experience and be a part of some of the stories that we've talked about today. Legacy people sacrifice something. And I wanna just say this, I know uh, this weekend is about a lot more than an offering. And there are a lot of us that, man, 2020 has made it such that you'd love to be able to, to give and you'd love to be able to give significantly, but you know that, man, you're struggling to figure out how to pay the bills or pay the employees, and I totally understand that. Nobody is interested or worried about the, the portion of your gift. It's the proportion that matters to God. I think about the widow's mite. She gave two pennies, two, two coins that added up to a penny. And Jesus saw that, man, that was a sacrificial gift for her, and he, he told the disciples that is what, what God notices. That made a difference. And so legacy people 
sacrifice. Some of you sacrifice your time every week serving on the dream team. And I'm just so thankful for so many of you who care for our kids or serve in a parking lot or greet people as they come in and, and you make a sacrifice of your time and it, it's part of your legacy. They sacrifice something and the last thing they do is legacy people, they start something. They start something. You know, they, they live their lives with a sense of urgency. You know, you go, I don't know what I can do, but, but we're gonna do something. I think about the, the wise men. When they made that journey from the far east to Bethlehem that was gonna take two years to get there, you know what it started with? It started with them seeing something, being willing to sacrifice, but then they, they took a step and they took another step and they began this journey. And that's the invitation that I have for you today is to take a step, to, to see a little bit of what we're seeing, to begin to see a little bit of what we see God doing in our midst. And they go, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna do something. What if today was the day that you were remembered for? What if today, what if, what if we lived with that sense of urgency that, that the Bible talks about in Ephesians 5, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's the invitation for you today to join us on this vision. And here's what I can tell you. I'm not a sales guy. I don't like doing sales pitches. That's just not who I am. I'm just a pastor who sees and believes that the best days are yet to come. And I wanna invite you to be a part of that. Some of you, you've never done anything like this before. You've never given to a church and, and you're like, oh, gosh, but today's gonna be a day that you just start something. I don't know what, it may be a couple of coffees that you go, you know what, I could sacrifice that just to be a part, to have a little bit of ownership in what God is doing here in this body of believers. There are some of you that you do give, you tithe even, you, you give 10% of your income. There's so many of us that have just, recognize that as a way of, 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 of living our lives and orienting our finances in a way that puts God first. And maybe there's some of you that are gonna go, you know what, I'm gonna do that this weekend. Some of you, maybe you do that, but you go, you know what I could do? I talked to somebody this morning. He said, you know, I give $100 a week to the church. It's like, awesome, that's great. He said, what I'm gonna do is do $25 in addition to that, just as, as legacy and, and, and to be a part of what we're doing on top of our, our tithes and offerings. And, and I, another guy talked to me this morning. He said, you know what? We just sold a, a, a rental property and it's gonna bring in about $50,000 of income and we've just decided, man, we're gonna give a portion of that as our legacy gift. And it's like, man, that's, that's amazing. I'm, I wish I had a rental property to sell. That's awesome. It's so cool. There are lots of different ways and no pressure at all today. I would never ask you to give here at Seacoast. That's part of our, our deal. We, we don't. It's too much pressure for me to stand up here and think that I gotta, no, 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 that's God's job. All I would ask you to do is just pray, ask God, should we be a part of this? What do you want us to do? And then that's between you and him. And we're just so thankful that if you are new today, you are sitting in a room of some of the, the most generous people on planet earth. And part of why you've got a seat, part of why you've got a, an opportunity to connect with God is because of, of their generosity. And so we're just gonna trust God with that. As I've been thinking about legacy this week, I've thought a lot about my own family. I mean, I am standing here because of just a generational legacy that I don't deserve. I didn't deserve to be born into it, but because of some decisions that, that my dad, my grandpa, my great-grandpa made 
I'm getting to live in the, the blessing of that. And you know what the greatest of those decisions was? It wasn't an amount of money given, even though that's significant. They've sacrificed lots over the years. It was E.L. Surratt, my great-grandfather, who I met one time, who made a decision to give his life to Jesus. See, at that point, they were bootleggers. They were criminals. We were very involved in prison ministry back in those days, but it was from the other side of the cell. That was our family story. That's who we were. And God got a hold of his heart in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And it changed everything for him. And it changed everything for his family's story. And I just believe there's a couple of people that are here today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're at one of our campuses. Today's not about an offering. Today's about your, your life. It's about your, your heart. It's about your soul. And the greatest gift that you can give to your kids and your grandkids and your grandkids is that you made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, recognizing that you are a sinner just like everybody else in this room, that you've got issues that you've fallen short of God's glory, but, but you've said, you know what, I'm not banking on my own righteousness. I'm choosing to, to surrender my life to Jesus and give it to him. As we pray, I'm gonna pray over the offerings that are gonna come in, but I wanna pray specifically for you. So would you guys bow your heads here and at the campuses? And I didn't do this in any other services, but as we bow our heads, I just get the sense that there's a few people that are here today that would say, you know what, I need to make that decision more than anything. I need to make a decision to surrender my life to Jesus. And I'm gonna pray a prayer that would just kind of lead us in giving our lives to Christ. And as I do that, if you want me to include you in that prayer, if you wanna pray that prayer with me, just gonna give you an opportunity as everybody's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you'd say, just include me in that, would you just raise your hand? I think God is stirring in a couple people's hearts. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm looking on the floor right now, fantastic. Wow, dozens of, of you. I'm looking in the middle section right now. Campuses, campus pastors are looking as well. Just raise your hand up in the air. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. Awesome, awesome. In your own way, in your own heart, just pray this prayer with me. God, I recognize that I need you. God, I recognize that I'm a sinful person, God, that I've fallen so short of your standard in my life. Fallen short of my own standards for my life. But God, I'm choosing today to trust you, Jesus. I thank you that you came to this earth and that you lived a sinless life so that I didn't have to. And that you took all of my sin on the cross with you. You died for me in my place. You took the penalty that I deserved so that I didn't have to. And I'm choosing today to surrender my life to you. Lord, I wanna have a relationship with you. I'm tired of doing religion. I'm tired of doing legalism. I wanna have a relationship with you. And I thank you for that. And God, together, we just pray today. and We say thank you for allowing us to live in these days and in these moments, God, to be a part of what you're doing on planet Earth. Help us to see what you see. Give us eyes to see. Help us to look up and see that the fields are ripe for harvest. I pray that you would direct us in the areas of giving and sacrifice that you would call us to. And Lord, I pray that the story that would be written here at Seacoast, man, it is just amazing. And we would be all be awestruck at what you did and how you changed this world by all of us doing a little and you multiplying what we bring. I pray that you would multiply the impact of every cent that is given 
in this legacy offering. And we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen.